Support for this podcast comes from Bryn Mawr Communications. BMC produces a number of informative podcast series spanning a variety of topics in ophthalmology. Discover a new show at itube.net slash podcasts. Open, outspoken, it's ophthalmology off the grid, an honest look at controversial topics in the field. I'm Blake Williamson. Welcome to another episode of Ophthalmology Off the Grid. I'm your host, Dr. Blake Williamson, and I'm super pumped for bringing up uh, this third uh, installment of this sort of ASC series that we've done. So if you're just kind of tuning into this, I want you to go back and listen to the first two recordings, uh, the, literally the past two episodes of Off the Grid. Uh, the first one we're talking uh, with Michael Patterson is explaining to the audience and to the listeners, you know, what's the, what's the point of, of an ambulatory surgery center and why might you want to own one? Uh, a lot of our younger colleagues don't know about uh, ownership uh, in an ASC and, and what's possible and why that might be attractive. The second episode with Taylor Strange was all about how do you build one and once you decide that you want one, how do you how do you uh, go about you know getting a loan from the bank and 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 setting up consultants to build one and what was that process like and and how how can you make it successful uh, as a young ophthalmologist and then in this third and fire, final installment. Um, I thought that I'd call um, on the help of, uh, of, of a mentor and who's also become uh, a friend, and, and, uh, uh, and that's uh, Jeff Whitman uh, in Dallas, Texas, who has been um, you know, sort of close to me throughout my early career and helped out quite a bit. And, and the reason I wanted to reach out to him is because he's a legacy owner of a very busy practice in ASC in Dallas um, and uh, has sort of done things the right way of, of, uh, of selling shares to younger, talented ophthalmologists who are entrepreneurial and want to have some ownership, not only in the practice, but the ASC. So we have Jeff on today. Um, and then the, the other point of view I wanted to get was uh, from, a, from a colleague and acquaintance I'm just now getting to meet, Dr. J.R. Singh. Um, and what's great about J.R. is we had a, a very thoughtful discussion uh, on a different message board about some of the challenges as young ophthalmologists trying to buy into ASCs. You know, as he'll uh, speak to uh, today on the podcast, um, it's not that easy sometimes. A lot of these uh, uh, people who are owning uh, significant shares in ASCs just aren't selling them. In some cases, they're not even operating. Um, and so that's a challenge. So I want to kind of get his perspective and, and maybe see why Dr. Whitman uh, decided to do things differently, what I believe is the right way. And then helping us out from the consultant side, lastly, uh, is the great John Blank and, and, and uh, uh, Bill Rayburn, who I've come to know. Uh, through OOS, a wonderful organization that all of you uh, in the surgery center space should consider being a part of, um, just to kind of give us their perspective on, on, you know, why, you know, why might these older ophthalmologists who own these shares not sell? What can we do uh, for them to consider selling more shares? You know, what does it mean for the future of ophthalmology if they don't? Will, will PE just continue to gobble up all of the opportunity? Will more young doctors uh, go to OBS, office-based surgery, because they can't get access? So that's kind of the, the arc um, uh, of, of today's episode. And we'll run a little bit longer because we have you know, multiple voices that we want to hear from. Um, but maybe, Jeff, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, and if you can kind of just give us your perspective uh, and just tell us how your surgery center is set up, because you're no longer the sole owner of your surgery center. You've had very talented uh, colleagues uh, come in and work and now are partners with you. 
kind of walk us through why you decided to do that because you could have just sold out to PE and walked away with a big bag of money. Um, walk us through that. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, we have a lot of decisions in this world, particularly in medicine. And I think sometimes it just comes down to the right way and the wrong way. And the uh, right way is not always the most, how much money I can uh, put in my wallet before I leave. And, you know, how do you bring talented people in? Well, I think one of the ways, there are other ways, but one of the ways you bring talented people in is be able to offer them some type of partnership track. Uh, we've had, uh, for years and years, we've had our doctors buy into the location. If there's real estate to buy into, they could do that too, but otherwise to the practice itself, but buy into the location, they spent the majority of their time doing their clinical work. Then as far as the ASC goes for also a number of years, uh, probably going back as far as since we built our new surgery center. So that's been probably about six years now that uh, we now have uh, five or six of our uh, partner docs have bought into the surgery center. By the way, there are some creative, you have to work with your tax planner and all, but there are some creative ways to get ancillary personnel, maybe an administration, optometrist, to buy into uh, some type of partnership that's invested in the ASC so they can have a piece of the pie too. And the question then is why? Well, the why is, Loyalty. In other words, I want to stay here. I want to be here. I want to grow my family here uh, because I have a future here. And part of that future here is I'm a partner in something that's going to uh, pay out more money as time goes on. So the busier our surgery center is, the better everybody does. I do better because I have partner physicians that basically we're getting to the point where we don't have more OR time great. We have four ORs and we're busy, busy, busy. Uh, that may mean that we all invest in building another peripheral uh, ASC somewhere. Very profitable. The other thing is PE is a real thing here. It's a real investment opportunity. But why should I be the only one to uh, get the advantage of that? I'd love for partner docs that are in their 40s and 50s to say, hey, you know, now I don't have to worry about my kids' education. Uh, I can focus more on doing other things. By the way, there always is a danger with too good an investment is that somebody that's younger than I may decide to tire, retire early. I hope that that never happens. But uh, again, it's all that incentive to stay with you, work with you, and increase your productivity. And you make them a partner. You're a good, honest person. You're doing the right thing. No, you could make more money holding on to everything, but I think you're going to go through more positions that way. Uh, you're not going to have as stable um, uh, administration. You're not going to have as stable uh, clinical staff because they see this you know, revolving door of doctors. You need to step back and think, do I need all of this? Let's, you know, I need maybe 51% of it and let's start selling the rest to my partner's uh, you know, once they, you know, we have everybody's, you know, they usually have a two to three year uh, stability check to see how they're doing and increasing and, uh, the, you know, they're increasing their surgical load, et cetera, before we let them buy in. But uh, I think you need to have a plan in mind when you bring somebody in and say, is this person within, and you'll know within a year or two, 
partnership potential and can add to the volume in my ASC and it's worth making that sacrifice. But by the way, the sacrifices, they all have to still buy in. They're not gonna buy in at PE rates, but they're all gonna to have to still buy in. So they have skin in the game. Yeah, so so John, why don't you follow up with that? And then Bill, I wanna hear from you. Is that, um, is that perspective, you know, because it's so refreshing to hear that. And that's how we do it too at Williamson Eye Center. Um, is there a lot of that uh, going around in the country, or do you do you get the sense that the majority of you know majority shareholders are just hanging on to their shares as much as they can? Is it equitable? Is it kind of a 50-50 thing where there's plenty of people doing it the traditional way, allowing young people to buy in, or is the majority of people just kind of hanging on for dear life? And maybe just kind of you know talk about um, the way Jeff's doing it and we're doing it, and, and if that is what you'd recommend. Um, if our goal is to, you know, still have, you know, uh, you know, ownership of, of our practices and surgery centers going forward and not all be a part of a large conglomerate. Uh, thanks, Blake. And thanks, Jeff. And, and yeah, I, I, uh, I would say that more people are doing it, as Jeff says, it the right way uh, than the wrong way. Um, and, and that's good. And, and I worked as a healthcare consultant and as when I was with uh, senior vice president with surgery partners. Um, you know, I syndicated probably 50 different physicians, so sold them shares of our surgery centers, um, redeemed probably 20 physicians as they were, uh, you know, retiring, uh, fully transitioned surgery centers from the founders to, a, to basically to the next generation, so we were very successful doing that, but you do have to have physicians that, that get it, like Jeff does, and like you, Blake, um, because, you know, you can look at it and say, well, we've I can make more money if I own 100% of it. You can, but if you bring others in, you, you, there's, you strengthen the center. You make it more attractive to PE, ASC management companies or other potential buyers. But, but for the most part, you're strengthening the center. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the critical thing. You are, you're going to increase the bottom line, the top line, distributions, bigger pie. You may have a smaller share of that bigger pie, but it's going to be accretive and you're going to make ultimately more money. Uh, you know, all surgeons with the same common purpose uh, and being more efficient, best, best patient care, uh, control cost, all those kind of things happen. And I think, I think from the seller's perspective, um, you know, you're, you basically are, are uh, you know, diversify your, your risk. You're going to, you know, personal financial position, all, everything's tied up into your practice, your surgery center, and your building. Well, guess what? If, if something happens to you um, and you can't operate, that goes away quickly. So it helps strengthen their portfolio diverse, by ver diversification, decreasing risk. And, um, and that's, a, that's a big part of it, uh, just increasing their liquidity and, and, and in a way that ultimately probably makes them more money, increases the value of their investment. Bill, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for 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 asking. You know, I want to throw out a couple of things because I agree with uh, uh, what Dr. Whitman was talking about, and and, and also John. Um, the one thing that I I like to see is, for, especially for young ophthalmologists, and I think a lot of people are doing to to, to go back to John's comment. I think a lot of people are doing it the right way. Um, and my hats off to you. Uh, like Jeff for doing it, doing it the right way. But I, I think it's a great tool for recruiting. You know, right now it's hard to recruit good ophthalmologists to, to practices. And uh, I see this as a, you know, a real opportunity 
to recruit doctors, uh, good doctors, good quality doctors um, to your practice. Again, you're giving them the opportunity to, as, 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 as Dr. Whitman mentioned, you're gonna look at them for a year or two, make sure that they're, they're, they're good material, but you're gonna to say to them, at least I, I recommend that uh, the young doctor, you know, have a, an agreement that says, yeah, I have an opportunity to buy into the practice, then into the ASC, then maybe into the real estate. So that again, uh, to, to John's earlier point, you're growing that pie. And I'd rather have my piece of the pie, a smaller piece of the pie, with a pie being much larger. And I think the only way you're going to do that, because I mean, let's face it, we're in the business of time. You know, you, there's only so many hours in the day. So you're only going to be able to see so many patients and do so much surgery. Well, to me, uh, there's always, uh, not always, but a lot of times there, there's capacity in surgery centers. And if I can get young partners to come in and join the practice and, 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 and do surgery in the surgery center, that pie is going to grow. And so as a result of that, as for all the things John just mentioned, you know, better stability, you know, more revenue, but also... I mean, let's remember, we are in the patient care business, so we're better able to serve the patients in our community, in my opinion, in an environment that is safe and, 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 and secure, and, a, and in, in many cases, a better environment to operate in than, uh, than other places, uh, maybe in, in, in your community. So you're really providing a great service to the, the patients in, in, in the community. JR, I'm going to bring you in here. Um, so Dr. Singh and I, um, again, had a, had a wonderful back and forth about this because this sounds pretty good. And it sounds like, you know, we're hearing from, from, from John and Bill that a lot of people are doing it the right way. Um, but in, in your experience, you know, you're in the D.C. area, is that correct? Maryland? DC? Yeah. So from, from what I understand from your experience, like there's not people uh, uh, on every sidewalk selling significant shares into an ASC. Maybe just talk about where you're at in your career, um, your interest level in ambulatory surgery centers, what the climate's like in your region, what some of the challenges been, um, and just kind of walk us through sort of the other side of this as a young ophthalmologist who's trying to, or who would like to build or to buy in, but it's not as, as available uh, where you are. Um, yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, thanks for inviting me to, uh, to come on the podcast also. Um, I think, you know, the... A young ophthalmologist um, experience of joining practices is, is probably a little different um, from how senior ophthalmologists see the process uh, unfolding. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, really, really high rates of turnover in the first two, three practices that uh, we happen to join and the culture that the uh, that high expected turnover creates. Um, so there is sort of a uh, expectation uh, that, you know, the young ophthalmologist is going to join, uh, stay there for a couple of years and then move on uh, to some other practice um, around the time that partnership discussions start. Um, and uh, I don't know if that is intentional or, you know, it's a little bit of chicken and the egg of is that something that practices intentionally do to keep churning through um, associates rather than offering partnership, or if associates perceive that that's what's happening and therefore start looking for other opportunities. But regardless of how you know, we got there, um, that is the reality that, that most of us experience 
uh, in our first, second, um, or, or, or third jobs. Uh, and so, you know, I graduated in, in 2019 from, from fellowship. So amongst my age cohort, which goes, you know, two years forward, two years back, those are the people that I, I keep in touch with. Um, as I said on the RSA, uh, I really only know three uh, people my age who successfully bought into a practice uh, at all. And uh, I only know two who have uh, bought into an ASC uh, and they're uh, in very, very rural uh, locations. I know absolutely zero um, young ophthalmologists who have been able to successfully uh, buy into an ASC in any kind of a metropolitan area. And uh, that uh, dichotomy of, you know, you know, maybe 200, 300 uh, young ophthalmologists and, uh, you know, the ASC buy-in rate is less than 1%. Um, that's uh, collectively known um, uh, amongst us. And so that's led to this sort of um, notion. I don't know how conscious it is, but uh, this notion that it's never going to happen and uh, it's not going to be offered. Uh, and therefore, uh, you know, it's, it's not something that we expect or plan for. Um, and, uh, you know, again, going back to the chicken and egg thing of do senior ophthalmologists um, feel that uh, attitude and, and not offer partnership or do young ophthalmologists uh, not even, um, you know, pursue that? Uh, how did this uh, state of affairs come to be? I I'm not sure, uh, but, but that's the reality. And uh, I think that's, you know, really uh, on many levels uh, tragic uh, because it kind of goes back to a little uh, fund of knowledge uh, uh, issue where at baseline, when you're talking about buying into ASCs and valuations and private equity um, uh, multiples, uh, there is a, a baseline assumption that private equity can pay a very high multiple and young ophthalmologists can't. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I uh, thought about that fundamental um, assumption and uh, questioned if that's correct. Um, so, you know, they say precedence is providence. Uh, so I started looking at other uh, specialties where private equity has uh, been in place for a long time. And, you know, the one I came across uh, where private equity has been around the longest is dentistry. Um, so uh, recently I've started going to dental conferences. Um, and uh, wouldn't you know it, if you look at the average dental conference, half of the uh, scheduled talks are about starting your own practice and, and uh, you know practice financing and all of that. So when I started attending these dental conferences, um, I realized, uh, and, and uh, you know, I came into contact with a lot of bankers, Bank of America, Chase, uh, people that are never at AAO, um, and after talking to them, I realized that in reality, young ophthalmologists seeking a buy-in into an ASC have access to greater financial resources than even private equity groups um, via these banks, uh, where you know banks will look at the cash flow of the ASC, identify that it's a profitable business, and that you, as a principal trying to buy into this ASC, are going to inject new life and you know have a 30-year career in an already profitable business, and they will help you finance. Um, you know, at very reasonable interest rates and at, at very good loan terms, uh, you know, even a, a 5x, 6x uh, multiple um, quite easily and, and quite happily. And uh, in fact, this is done quite routinely um, uh, in the dental industry. So the financial system is very much structured to support young physicians buying into mature practices. But as a fund of knowledge issue, that's not really known. Um, and I think that uh, simple lack of knowledge has 
on, on the part of senior ophthalmologists and young ophthalmologists has really, uh, first of all, allowed private equity to um, access ASC uh, uh, ownership unfettered, um, but also it's, it's sort of hampered the relationship between the generations. Jeff, can you respond to that? You know, I, I do think that there are, and, and maybe it's a misconception, but we've seen it in our practice too, as we, uh, we're always looking for new physicians and we'll find, you know, recent uh, residency graduates, more so than fellowship graduates, by the way, uh, that said like a salary, I'd like a bonus structure, but I'm not interested in a buy-in or they don't even have a conception that they can buy in. And that's the way they wanna work. Now, to say that that's everybody out there because you hear it a number of times, well, obviously that's just hearing what I'm hearing, that's gotta be false. But, you know, I think you need to have that discussion with people that you're uh, interviewing and saying, and by the way, if you know for some reason, hey, you have so many people using your surgery center and it isn't practical to sell more shares, that's one thing, it's fully, you know, it's fully mature that way. But if it's not, I think then part of your discussion needs to be, even with the doc that comes in and say, I'm just interested in uh, salary, bonus structure, and travel. And travel, uh, and, and, and nothing to be ashamed of. There's some people that's, that's their priority and they can do very well that way. But we need to ask and say, you know, if we find that you're, uh, you know, a good surgeon and you're growing practice, et cetera, you know, we can find a way to, and help you finance a way into uh, becoming a, you know, getting a partnership within the ASC. I think that is not just smart, but creative. And uh, I don't think you have to go to a dental conference to uh, figure out financing, but that's me. I'm very mature in my practice. For you, you had to find it out in different ways. My daughter's an orthodontist, so she's told me some of what you're telling me. And uh, and their cost structures are different than ours, but still multiples and things are very similar. And But it still really comes down to, you know, uh, older docs there that are just holding on to the range forever. What's your end game? Uh, I, I just don't think, you know, we want a future, have a good future in this wonderful specialty of ophthalmology. Uh, we need to share somewhat. We don't have to give it all away. We're not giving it away for free, but we need to share and grow our practices. You know, you know, we, we're probably going to do 7,000 cases in our surgery center, that four-room uh, four surgery center this year. I couldn't have done that, I don't think, without surgery, uh, you know, good surgeons who are partners that want to continue to grow this so they can do better as well. Yeah, so, John, it, you know, it's one of these things where, you know, Jeff's right, because I, I have, I've spoken with other, you know, senior um, um, owners who've said, man, I've tried to sell shares to, to my junior partners. They, they don't want it because they do have to pay for it. And at a 4X multiple, you know, surgeon to surgeon market, that's fair market value, surgeon to surgeon, you know, three to four X of EBITDA, uh, they don't want to go to the bank and ask for, you know, $2 million. You know, they're, they're very happy making their three, four, five, $600,000 a year, whatever it is. They have a great life. They don't want the risk. And, and that's cool. 
Um, so it's more about identifying those docs like Dr. Singh, you know, who want to buy in. Do you ever do you ever get calls from, from from you know young doctors who are having these issues with their senior partner and saying, hey man, can you call and talk to this guy because he it's not it's not going through Bill. Do, do either you or John? I mean, is that is it is it a common thing that you get where you have to almost kind of intervene and help with that transition? Yeah, we um, uh, quite often we do that. We we basically work both sides of it and, and work with the, the selling physician, the senior physician and the, and the new doc. Uh, uh, I put financing together as Dr. Singh said, and, and, and Dr. Whitman, I mean, there's a lot of places out there that now finally understand the value of a surgery center and they understand how secure they are and what a, a great investment it is. So, so I, I basically would, would work with the new physician, put them in touch with uh, financial uh, groups and that new surgeon never even have to leave, you know, his or her desk. They get everything done over over the internet and uh, just over email. And and as Dr. Singh said, very good rates, uh, no 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 guarantees or anything like that. And so a lot of times we would put that together and kind of broker those deals. Uh, but you're right, you do need to have some physicians. You come across they're just not interested, and it's hard to understand if they're. 35 years old and they have a chance to, to make a 30, 20-30% return on their investment, uh, pay back their loans, uh, build a, a, an asset for their personal financial statement that they can sell 20 years down the road, control their own destiny. Uh, and so we talked through all those things and we showed them you know, pro formas, but every now and then you, you'll find docs that are just not that interested. The good news is they're probably not going to leave your surgery center of practice because they're happy with what they're doing. But, uh, but we, you know, we want doctors like Dr. Singh that really is interested in growing the practice, growing the surgery center and, and things like that. But, well, I want to compliment JR for this because you know something, and a lot of people don't. And I've had two uh, fellowship trained docs that have been in practice for a little over a year with a senior doc that have come to me and said, you know, this guy's crazy. He tells me that if I buy into the surgery center, I have to pay a multiple. And he's actually talked to, and these guys have talked to friends who said, I've never heard of that. Well, there is some ignorance out there opposite of JR who is, who knows his stuff. Um, and that really truly don't know how this is done. And that's why it's great if you're serious about doing this, getting with the consultant, and uh, no one asked me to do a commercial for the guys here, but for getting with the consultant and making sure you're treated fairly, but also, uh, and, and, and I understand you, want, you don't necessarily always wanna believe what the seller's selling you and getting an independent idea there, listening to a podcast like this is great. But if you're going to do something formal and you're going to spend a lot of your money, sometimes working with a consultant, consultant, uh, dollars well spent. Bill, they call you up and, and they, they, they say, hey, listen, you know, I, I'm, I'm having this issue. The senior partner won't sell. Take us inside that conversation. What's the mindset of that senior surgeon? They just it's like, hey, I built this restaurant. I get that the good the food's good in my restaurant. You're the sous chef in my restaurant. You should be happy. People are coming and you're busy because of me. This is my place. I built it for you. So, so, you know, I get that mindset because I went through that in my own situation with my own dad. Uh, so, but maybe just kind of walk us through the psychology because I'm sure that you have to sort of um, run these transitions and, 
I want people who are listening to this, who are in JR's situation, his mindset with this, you know, what, what tools can, can your firm help them with? How can you reach a resolution where everybody can win? First of all, I think one of the things that we don't do a very good job of in ophthalmology is, is really training on some of these business issues. You know, I think there's a whole opportunity out there to, to, to help young ophthalmologists really understand the business of ophthalmology. Uh, and I think that's part of, uh, of, of what we're talking about tonight is, is really not understanding, you know, it, 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 there's a multiple on it. It's a big number. It's scary. You know, many of, uh, of these folks are coming out of school with debt and, and they're trying to raise a family and buy a home and settle in. There's a lot of moving parts to their life. And so as a result of that, you know, they, you know, this opportunity may not be on the forefront. I think it should be on the forefront. And when I do get calls from young ophthalmologists to say, hey, you know, I'm in this practice, I'm trying to talk my senior partner into selling it. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a matter of sitting down and saying, okay, how do we, how do we as, as Jeff talked about earlier, and, you know, Blake, as your, as your, your dad did, you know, how do I share this? And how do I grow back to growing this pie? And, and making sure that the, the, the older ophthalmologist, you know, if, if you sell that practice, if you sell that surgery center to, to a PE firm, most likely that PE firm is going to say, hey, we want you to stick around for X number of years. So it's not like you're going to get a big check today and walk out the door tomorrow, right? You're going to hang around and you're going to generate that PE firm money to pay back the investment that they've, that they've made. Why would you, and I've never, I, you know, it, it's nice and it's fun to run these numbers when young ophthalmologists call to say to the doctor, well, if that's what you're thinking is, let me show you, if your young partner generates the revenue, brings the cases in, and the revenue continues to increase, look what you're going to get over a period of time, along with your ability to maintain your legacy, your, 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 you know, your lifestyle and manage the center that, the way that you want it. And I think that's many times the issue is I develop, this is my baby. I don't want to give it up. I don't want to give control up. And our job is then to convince them you're not going to give up control. You're not going to lose money in this deal. You're actually going to make, in many cases, make more money um, in this, uh, with this opportunity to allow this younger ophthalmologist to buy into your practice, and you're going to be able to take care of the patients in your community. So, Bill, it's almost like instead of taking a big bag now, maybe let us buy in over time. We'll pay you for it, and you reduce your ownership. But even you can even stay on as a whatever 10, 15, 20 percent owner, even years later when you're not doing as much surgery. Maybe you're doing gags and things like that. That's not ideal. But for someone who you're having a hard time, who doesn't want to sell completely, almost go into that emeritus ownership level and still having a chunk and still having, you know, a paycheck, um, you know, seems like that might be a, a, another route that you could take. Instead of taking it all up front, continue to have it, you know, over time, just reduce your ownership uh, to a smaller number. Is that... Is that what you're what you're suggesting as an opportunity? Because that's what we're thinking of doing. You know, it, I think you're exactly right. And and not to get off of this topic, but it also gives that older ophthalmologist a way to retire 
over a period of time. You know, um, I think I don't see quite as many ophthalmologists coming in, seeing 60 patients on their last day, walking out the door, not coming back again. I see more ophthalmologists trying to figure out, as John Corboy taught us many, many years ago, how do I retire one day at a time and I retire to something rather than from something? So I think this allows an ophthalmologist to, again, retire over a period of time, enjoying what he or she has built. I, I think the um, financial literacy or, or lack thereof hurts both parties. Um, I think, you know, especially for senior ophthalmologists who have very large and very valuable um, ASCs, they're, they're, that uh, financial literacy or, or, or not knowing that uh, young ophthalmologists that uh, they would consider offering a buy-in to will definitely be able to access financing. Not knowing that or not realizing that leads them in many cases to not even discuss it and 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 sort of hide uh, their retirement plans from their younger partners. So in my you know first practice, the ASC was valued at but probably thirty million dollars, maybe more. They did you know twelve thousand. We did twelve thousand cases a year. Um, so it was a very large and very profitable um, ASC. So when they uh, were thinking about their exit plans, they didn't even discuss. Um, any of that with the associates, they just immediately went to uh, talk to private equity. And when we came back to them later and said, you know, why wouldn't you at least discuss this with us? Their number one reasoning was not like, you know, we hate you or we think you're terrible people or anything like that. Um, it, their, their simple explanation was there's no way you can get access to this kind of financing. Um, and, and, and that was uh, factually inaccurate. Um, you know, we could have very easily, and, you know, of course, I left that conversation, uh, drove directly to my bank and said, uh, you know, can I get access to this kind of financing? Uh, and, you know, the, um, uh, my, my banker said, yes, absolutely. Let's have a talk uh, or let's have a discussion about this. No, you're not going to need to put up a personal guarantee. No, we don't care, you know, what kind of um, uh, educational debt you have. Uh, because that's considered separately. Yes, we're just looking at the cash flow of business. So, you know, I could have come back and matched or actually even exceeded um, their private equity offer because my ROI time horizon is so much longer than the private equity group, which dissolves in seven to 10 years. So they need to have a much more aggressive ROI timeline. Um, therefore, that uh, limits the multiple that they can offer the ASC owner. My you know, careers, 30 years plus. So I could have actually offered them more, but they didn't ask me. Um, and so, so that hurt them. And then on the flip side, for young ophthalmologists, the lack of financial literacy also hurts us because, you know, we look at um, a five or six X multiple, which might, you know, as Dr. Strange said, be $4 million or $5 million for a big ASC. And, you know, we think like that's scary, but in reality, um, it shouldn't be. It should be exciting because, um, you know, you're buying into a very, very stable income stream, but we don't sort of realize that. And, you know, I know many young ophthalmologists who are making a great living, um, our associates uh, said no, or, or did not want to consider buying into an ASC, but have a mortgage on a house for a million and a half dollars. Um, and, and that uh, internal inconsistency uh, just doesn't, you know, they don't think about that. Um, so, so I think the fi improving financial literacy and, and um, helping people understand uh, how much greater access the capital they have than, you know, cash in their pocket and how those two things are totally different 
Um, I, I think that's an important educational goal that would really help everybody. Yeah, and I'm sitting here thinking like, you know, we shouldn't have to play pay PE rates, God damn it. Excuse my French, but I'm like, you know, like, dude, like we shouldn't have to. But I say that and I have a good buddy uh, down south here. I won't say where because everybody would know. But, you know, he bought into his family's practice at 7X EBITDA, which is kind of it's getting to, you know, not yeah, that's around PE ish. You can get higher than that. But, you know, and he did that because his dad said, you know what, I'm doing this for your own good, son, because if your people, if other people, other your, your colleagues want to buy in, you can sell them 7X and you can say, listen, I'm the son and I had to pay 7X. And so he kind of did that on purpose, but he knew with that practice that he would pay that back and he would still have a good income stream. Uh, I thought that was a big kick in the you know what, but um, but but it's true, you know. Well, um, uh, if we can talk numbers for a second, you know, uh, Dr. Williamson, like you said, Physician to physician um, uh, sales, the uh, three to four X multiple is considered totally fair and normal, and I agree with you. Um, for private equity, you know, it's somewhere between seven and ten X. So between four and seven is five and six, right? So potentially, um, uh, especially practice owners who are looking for a faster exit, can and should think about co coming to the uh, young ophthalmologist and saying listen, I can get seven to 10 X, but then I have to stay in this practice and continue working as an employee, which I've never done in my life for the last 30 years. And I know that my last few years in practice are really going to stink uh, because now I'm working for somebody else. So that's what seven to 10 X is going to get me. Um, and uh, you're expecting to pay four X. Why don't you absorb a little bit of pain? I'll take a little bit of a hit. We'll meet at five, six X. You uh, buy me out completely. I'm able to retire on a much faster timescale um, and you're able to get ownership, that can be a win-win situation because you know, unlike the private equity group that needs the founding or the selling partner to stay in the practice so that they can recoup value, the young ophthalmologist actually needs and would likely benefit from having that uh, partner sell and then depart so that they can sort of start molding the practice into their own vision faster. So, you know, in that five to six X space, which for some reason, nobody ever talks about, um, there is a possibility for there to be a significant win-win situation, um, especially for the senior uh, who's selling, because at that stage in their career, time may be more valuable to them than money. And if I can give you more time to pursue your, you know, retirement agenda, um, that may be more valuable to you than one or two X multiple additional um, uh, for which you're trading three, four years of your life, uh, especially as people get older, they generally tend to think that um, time is more valuable than money. Um, and so, so that's something that uh, I, I think is, is not discussed uh, very much um, when we're talking about uh, practice valuations. And uh, actually recently, one of my friends bought in and she was arguing with her um, uh, senior partner about maybe... I think it was like a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars, and that was holding up the deal. Um, and and my point to her was, you know, you're not going to be able to move on with your life and stop thinking about this and stop talking about this until you buy in. And your ROI timer is in so long. You know, why are you worried about the two hundred thousand dollars? Why aren't you worried about the year that you've spent or wasted um, arguing about this? Um, and I think, you know, she, she thought about it and, and uh, you know, a couple of months later, uh, she called me and said, 
you know, I totally agree with you. I overpaid for the practice a little bit. And, uh, you know, that that hurt in the moment. But subsequently, now I'm, you know, the the principal partner. And, and I've never looked back and I've never woken up and thought to myself, why did I overpay for this practice somewhat? Uh, you know, this is the best decision I ever made. Bill, you want to respond to that? Yeah, I, I, I agree with Dr. Singh. And, you know, you guys, I want to challenge you guys, check, check my math here, make sure my math is right. But, you know, if I pay for, if I pay a three multiple, I pay a four multiple, if I pay a five multiple, I'm in a, and, and the practice or the surgery center does what it did this year, I'm going to begin to get my cash immediately when I buy in, okay, to pay back my loan. And so I'm going to get somewhere between the 33, 25 to 20% return on my investment. Okay. If I do it over three, four or five years, tell me, tell me where I can go and get that kind of return on my investment on something that I can control with a, in a, in a industry where over the last, help me, Dr. Whitman, over the last 15 years or so, ambulatory surgical center uh, rates have increased year over year. Bill, can, can we, do, do criminal enterprises count? Because uh, that's, that's one opportunity would be. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, good point, Dr. You know, I'm starting to consider a life of crime when I retire. So, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, but uh, I was going to say Mike Romanski has certainly been very helpful. And again, why it's worth being a news member, uh, because it really been focused on trying to keep the ASC, rate, ASC rates going up because, you know, we, we're taking a big hit this year and maybe a bigger hit next year in terms of rates overall from CMS for uh you know, clinic charges, uh, so far it has not hit the ASC. So ASC is just as you're saying, is a great place to put your money and it's worth going into debt when you have a timeline, like uh, JR is saying, when you have a timeline that's longer, uh, it's a no brainer. John, I want you to, I want you to respond to something that, that, that JR uh, sent to me once. So he said something along the lines of, we're talking about OBS, and I think OBS has, has a place in ophthalmology uh, for CON states and cash pay practices that are just cash pay. Uh, I think it should is it's a niche. It, it should probably remain a niche. And the ASC, I think, is the future. That's my bias. That's what I think is the right thing. But his point was like, man, if I can't buy into one, you know, why wouldn't I just build up my caseload in an OBS? And then once I have enough cases to get the right volume, uh, go ahead and build my own. If I'm not able to buy into a, uh, an ASC, you know, uh, let me just build my own. Um, do you think that's a good strategy? I looked at that and my bias was like, well, no, I, I don't want you to, I don't want the message to be build an A, everybody who wants to have an ASC has to build an OBS first, but I also see his point. I mean, what is he supposed to do? Can you respond to that? Well, I think, I think it, I do agree. Build your own. Uh, the question on the OBS and, and, I worked with uh, Steve Shepard, Bill Rayburn, Jeff Whitman, you know, for for Ooze on you know the economics of an OBS, and they've got their secret sauce. Uh, but I still don't know how you get paid. I don't know how you get paid in an OBS even to build it short term. I think you're onto something though. Build a smaller ASC and get paid. Uh, and and to Jr's point earlier, there is financing available because because financial institutions understand the value of and the 
the uh, the profitability of an ASC. So I, I do think um, I think if you can't build it, uh, uh, if you can't buy into one, you build one. Now, if you're in a CON state and maybe you can get some contracts with uh, with payers, uh, but I still think they're doing some funny things there, and I. I'm not comfortable with that right now, but I, I do think if you build your own uh, ASC, build it smaller, somewhere where you can expand, uh, the rates are great. And uh, yeah, you're going to do better in the long run. In the short run, you're going to do better. So, Jeff, so, so Jeff, you wouldn't recommend doing the OBS to, to, to get your volume, maybe get your volume up a different way, maybe build a practice and go to someone's ASC, build up your volume, but eventually just build your own. You don't have to build the surgery. Center. Yeah, once, and again, that's where consultants are very helpful is when, I'm, when am I at the magic number? Because it does change over time, but you built up your practice, you're using somebody else's ASC, maybe you're using two or three ASCs if in your metropolitan area, make sure you, you have enough time to operate. You build up your caseload and then you start building. I've had several friends do that. I know somebody that's opening out in El Paso right now. And, uh, Got his caseload up, built a surgery center. And by the way, there are some people that run a phenomenal number of cases through a one ORASC. You know, if, if I can say something in, in defense of OBS, um, I, I uh, agree with, uh, you know, some of the points about uh, some, some fishy uh, billing practices uh, that uh, some people are advocating for. Um, and and I, don't, I, I don't think that, that approach to OBS is a good one by any means. Um, but one thing that I uh, realized in my uh, studies, uh, so to speak, um, is that office-based surgery is not new. Office-based surgery is actually very, very old. And the uh, Quad ASF, which is the uh, OBS accreditation body, is actually older than the Joint Commission. Um, and uh, office-based surgery was pioneered by plastic surgery. So again, going back to that concept of uh, precedence is providence, um, you know, I spent a lot of time outside of ophthalmology going to plastic surgery conferences and talking to all these folks and figuring out how they get reimbursed for uh, their plastics procedures in an office-based surgery center. And then from there, I used some of those contacts to talk to insurance companies. And I said to them, uh, you know, on an individual basis, uh, uh, how do you feel about me doing eye surgery in an office? Uh, do you think that we can talk about getting a better compensation, you know, for the 66984 professional fee? Um, and not once, and I've talked to Aetna and United Healthcare and all these other organizations, um, not once did somebody say to me, what are you talking about? Uh, everybody said, oh yeah, okay, totally. Just like plastic surgery, no problem, let's talk about it. Um, so uh, without using, you know, some of those uh, questionable billing practices, just having that conversation with insurers um, you know, it turns out that you actually can get uh, much higher compensation for uh, just charging the professional fee, not getting the facility fee. That does make office-based surgery very financially um, uh, viable. It doesn't offer you the same type of protection, income protection ASCs uh, offer. Therefore, it's not a replacement uh, for the ASC and it never will be. Additionally, there's entire patient populations that will never be a candidate for office-based surgery because they're too sick, they're too nervous, um, their cataracts are too dense, you know, so there's no possible threat that office-based surgery offers to ASC now or ever in the future. However, uh, from a financial standpoint, office-based surgery is very viable. 
And for a young ophthalmologist who's starting a practice and is not able to secure that ASC buy-in, um, the cost of starting an OBS is very, very low. Uh, the upside is very, very high. Uh, and then as you get your uh, surgical volume up and you do get your certificate of need or do you get your finances together to build an OBS, or, or sorry, to build an ASC, all you have to do is transport all your OR equipment out of this room, which is an OBS is just a room in your practice, um, into your ASC, and, and you're good to go. So, so the, in my opinion, you know, the, the downsides are, are uh, to OBS are, are negligible. Um, and uh, the upside in terms of being able to earn more faster and get to your ultimate goal of having an ASC uh, sooner um, is uh, very appetizing. So we're going to wrap up here in these last couple of minutes. Bill, I just want you to very quickly respond to that. This, this is not an OBS versus ASC uh, podcast, but maybe just quickly respond to that. And I'm going to have Jeff uh, Whitman kind of give us our, his final thoughts and we'll kind of close it out. Yeah, I think uh, I think Dr. Singh brings up a lot of really good points to, to, be, to, to be considered. I, I also think that one, one thing that I've noticed with young ophthalmologists, they're much more interactive and much more willing to share and, and one of the things that we've successfully done for our clients around the country is we've put people together, maybe from different practices, but within a community where they can come together and, and, and develop a surgery center with smaller numbers of, of, of surgical uh, uh, cases where somebody has a couple hundred here and a couple hundred there and 300 here, and they come together to build a surgery center. I, I, I think that could be a very powerful tool especially if your senior partner says, oh, I'm not going to sell you any of mine. Well, okay, then here's what we're going to do. And I'm going to do this with four or five of my young colleagues, because my take is younger ophthalmologists are much more willing to cooperate and share than, uh, than some of the older ophthalmologists. Jeff, take us home. You know, I, first of all, I think we shared some excellent thoughts today. You know, I'm, I am a proponent, and I will you know, say this loudly to anyone that listens to the podcast, though. If you're an older owner of a surgery center, you know, loosen the string some and see the value of uh, getting more partners in, because eventually it means more cases, more income for everyone. So don't be greedy with your ownership in an ASC. And as we can see, and it's been discussed today, that there are different pathways to get to ASC ownership, but uh, by understanding financing, by understanding uh, you know the growth of your clinical practice, your surgery practice, all this is doable over time. It just takes some uh, open-minded negotiation. And again, I'm just going to go back to sometimes getting a consultant involved can help you get through the uh, rough patches to uh, end up with that happy ending of ASC ownership. Well, I hope that uh, you, the listeners out there, uh, have learned something today, many different perspectives, very valuable points of view, uh, and, and a, a very fun discussion with people who uh, I really appreciate spending the their time with us tonight. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Off the Grid.